Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Homestretch, ESPN at Kansas City. Sterling Holmes live in studio on a gorgeous Thursday afternoon. Kyle is behind the glass. Kyle, how are you? Man, you're right about it being gorgeous today. Oh, I hate golf balls today. I you better tell. believe I hate <laughs> golf balls. Golf balls didn't. They may have hit back because they were not good. You know, they, if it was a boxing match, I would have lost. Okay. Not a great day at the range, but needed to get some swings in. So here we are. Big day ahead of us. David Lesky joining us at 315. Uh, we're going to talk some Royals with Lesky. I have not talked Royals in a long time. Figured they were on a heater. Season's about to wrap up, at least the regular season, a.k.a. surprisingly, the, the Royals are not making the playoffs. Believe it or not, they're not in the wild card hunt, but they are in the hunt for the worst record in Major League Baseball. They got that going for them. At least this, this warm stretch to end the year might keep them from getting it. At least they're fighting for something. So we'll, uh, we'll actually hurt them in the grand scheme of things, but uh, it's just about a draft pick. Come on. If you're going to tank, tank right. But Lesky will join us at 315 from Inside the Crown. But I want to talk some NFL. I want to talk some Chiefs, and more specifically, the team the Chiefs are playing on Sunday. Chicago Bears are a absolute dumpster fire right now. Everything that could go wrong is going wrong. It's brutal. And Justin Fields says, you know what? All this stuff surrounding the organization... What if I just put put some fuel to it? What if I just get, get get a nice can of gasoline and dump gasoline over the raging fire that is the Chicago Bears? Justin Fields originally was asked on why he was struggling. So here's first Justin Fields on why he was struggling. I felt like you know I wasn't necessarily playing my game. Uh, felt like I was kind of robotic and you know not just. Not, not not playing like myself, so, um, you know, um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and you know, play football how I know how to play football. Uh, that includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and, you know, uh, playing off of instincts rather than just, of, you know, so much, so to say, info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. I mean, just going back to it's a game, um, and, and, and that's it, because that's when, you know, I play my best is... I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So um, I'm going to say kind of just bump all the, you know, you know what I should do, what I, this and that, like pocket stuff. Like, I'm going to go out there and be me. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it 
you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Well, we know what the F in fields stands for. It stands for effort. Good job, Justin. And apparently the C on his chest doesn't stand for captain. C stands for throwing the coaching staff under the bus. My goodness. I'm not disagreeing that the coaching staff of Chicago is probably not the best in the NFL, but dog, you do not say that. Your job is to get up and take the blame like a leader does. You've been two scoops of ass, guy. You said you've been playing too robotic. I can guarantee you, you are a broken robot then. That's a robot that gets sent back. That robot ain't taking over the world. If you're playing robotic, if you were watching those ro- like those movies into the future with those robots in it, if it was you, they'd say, oh, man, all right, yeah, they, they're not taking over anything. We're not worried. Justin Fields, come on. You can't do this. You've been brutal, and then you're going to say coaching? Come on, man. Justin. Justin, Justin. Well, I'm sure his next comment, his next one when he's talking at the locker room, I don't know, about five minutes later, will clear up all the issues he said. You guys' jobs are to get clicked, so it's like when you take my quote out of context and when you just say that, if you paint the picture on the inside out, like, y'all are trying to split, split us up at the center. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches, never going to blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care. It's a drop pass. It should have been a pass. Put it on me. But never will you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame it on somebody else. In this organization, my teammates, never will you hear that. So I just want to clear that up and just know that, like, I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If, if y'all, that's, that's what I should have said in the first place. But, you know, I was trying to give y'all more details because, you know, I appreciate y'all for doing what y'all do. And I try to give y'all the information y'all want for you guys' job. So um, I'm going to do that and in the future. like, But I ask you guys just, just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. So, um, again, appreciate you guys what you do. And um, y'all have a pleasure. All right, yeah. You, you want to play the quote again, Kyle? You want to go back and play the quote? Because apparently the, the media is spinning this one from Justin. Apparently he says, I will never blame the coaching. I, it's on me. I'm not going to blame the coaching. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be uh, you know, uh, coaching. Yeah, no, yeah, that's totally the media taking that out of perspective, right? Totally, that's, that's you taking you know credit for all the things that are going wrong in Chicago. Yeah, no, of course you're not going to blame anyone else. When you say verbatim, I don't know, could be the coaching. Coaching. I, it, it's incredible. Like, what? where's the lack? Five minutes later, at his locker room, first thing he says is, you know, the media has... They're, they're, they're trying to get clicks. I get it, man. The media's not always right. Sometimes there are some clickbait artists out there. But when you say verbatim, I don't know, could be coaching, and then you go out and say, I wouldn't blame anyone else. Would never blame coaching. Would never do it. 
did you not just realize what happened five minutes ago? And oh, by the way, in the exact same second quote of him at his locker room, when he blames the media at the very beginning, do you hear him at the very end? I appreciate all you guys do. I'm going to keep giving you guys information and quotes. This guy can't figure it out. He He's rattled right now. Yeah, it sounded like a guy who's trying to backtrack. Who's rattled more, Justin Fields off the field or Justin Fields on the field? <laughs> right now off the field. Just wait till Spags gets his hands on him. Oh, my goodness, man. And I get it. I, I do feel for him a little bit because at some point you're sitting here saying he isn't getting the best coaching. There's no denying that Justin Fields is not getting the best coaching, okay? We're not going to argue that one. No one's going to confuse Eberflus for Belichick or Andy Reid. Same time, you are the captain. You can't do this. So he understands this, whether he gets it or his agent said, hey, you know what, dude? If you want to get a second contract here, you haven't been playing very well. If you don't play well, Bears might be getting the top five draft pick again, maybe top two. They might be drafting a quarterback. Let's try and play nice with them. So then he tries to retract it. But to try and say that the media is spinning this and that you would never blame the coaching staff when literally, uh, one more time, what what did he do? What what, what uh, Kyle, uh, just one more time, what, what did Justin Fields do? When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be uh, you know, uh, coaching. Yeah, that's not the media trying to spin it. That's your words, guy. Unless AI got so good that they had a fake Justin Fields standing up there before he gave his speech, I don't know what to tell you. Those words came out of your mouth. The Bears right now are a they're a bad team, man. The Chiefs can't afford to mess around, okay? There is no sugarcoating this. I know Andy Reid, before every game, likes to say we look forward to playing the challenge of so-and-so. I understand that. The Bears are two scoops of ass. They're in utter disarray. We've not even gotten to whatever the situation is. I'm not, I don't want to touch it with the defensive coordinator. We've heard some wild thoughts. We've heard some things that say all those things are false or not even close to being true. So I'm not going to touch that. But their D.C. is not there. They're without their left tackle, Braxton Jones, who is now placed on the I.L. Going to miss at least four games, including Sunday's game against Kansas City. It's not good in Chicago land. The Bears right now look bad. This is the bad news, Bears. But unlike that movie where it's a fun storyline at the very end, ain't going to happen on Sunday. Okay? There's no stud pitcher walking through that door. There's no stud quarterback walking in. What's it? Uh, Billy Ray. Was it Billy Ray Thornton? What is it? That version of Bad News Bears, you know what I'm talking about? Is it Billy Ray? It's not Billy Ray Thornton. The dude in Bad uh, bad Santa as well? Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. You're close. Surprisingly, he's not the coach. Hell, you think Billy Bob Thornton would be a better head coach than Eberflus? Could be. Who would have thought that when the Bears fired... Matt Nagy, when the Bears canned Trubisky, they would wish they'd have those two dudes back. Sorry, pro bowler Trubisky, coach of the year Matt Nagy. I will die on the hill 
Matt Nagy got unfairly treated in Chicago. What did he go 34 and 31 in his coaching career in Chicago? And the Bears said, you know what, that's not good enough. You did it with Trubisky, which everyone agrees was a wrong pick. Oh, and by the way, Nagy didn't pick Trubisky. All he did was do, get the best he possibly could out of the guy. Took him to a Pro Bowl. And yet the Bears said, you know what? You're not the guy. We're going to can you. We'll draft a quarterback who's also not the right guy. Who would have thought the Bears can't figure out how to draft a quarterback? The only team in the NFL to not have a 4,000-yard passer. Year three, blaming the coaching staff. But, like, coaching staff's not great. I get that. And Fields isn't good either. But the point is, Matt Nagy was unfairly fired, in my opinion. The Bears were irrational with what they thought they were. And look at them now. 34-31 and 31 as a coach in Chicago. Think that wasn't good enough? 0-2 playoff record. But he made the playoffs. Twice! <laughs> Twice! What did they think? Eberflus was going to be Belichick? Was he Shanahan? It's absurd, man. And all offseason, all I heard was, the Bears are going to fight for the NFC North. The Bears, the Bears, and Justin Fields are going to be a top 10 MVP quarterback. Man, get off fantasy football and watch real football. That team is buns. They're going nowhere. Chiefs. Ain't no relaxing. Beat down. Take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some Royals with David Lesky inside the crown right here. Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Coaching. Welcome to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City, joined now by David Lesky, Inside the Crown. Make sure you subscribe to insidethecrown.substack.com to get the best Royals coverage out there. And quite frankly, the Royals are actually doing good, what, winning eight of their last nine games, just like always, right, at the end of the season. Isn't that right, Lesky? It's not. Oh, my God, <laughs> yo. No. <laughs> It actually doesn't happen as often as people think. It's just you only remember the good times. The, the nice thing about this, though, you know, first, the the three worst teams all have the same draft lottery odds. So the only difference is the worst team can't pick below seventh, um, I think. And the, the second worst is below eighth and third worst below ninth. So, um that's the only difference. So, you know, they could be they could be the worst team, they could be the second worst team, they could be the third worst team, all the same lottery odds, and it's pretty unlikely the Royals are going to be the fourth worst team. So, I think they're in that 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 top uh, top percentage pick for for the top pick overall. Uh, I do want to bring something up here. I'm not going to lie, Lesky. I've been obviously focusing a lot on Chiefs and, quite frankly, the Monarchs, as the Monarchs also won. Come on now. Give, for baseball in Kansas City, there are some champions here. Um, yeah. But, but, a lot of champions in Kansas City all the time. <laughs> but in, in regards to the Royals, they had a little switch-up, a little maneuver the other day. I believe it was actually yesterday. Uh, was it player development? They're, they're going a different route. What is happening with all the changes in the front office of Kansas City? Well, as of right now, it's not really a huge change. Um, I mean, there is, there's, it, there's a big addition, yes. But um, so Gene Watson, who I don't remember what his title was with the Royals, um, is going to the White Sox to join Chris Getz's staff over there. Um, 
White Sox quietly made a couple really nice hires. Brian Bannister, one of them. Um, we'll see how it goes, but interesting. Um, so Gene Watson left, and they did some shuffling, I guess, mostly with guys who are currently in the organization. So if people are looking for some firings, I don't, I don't think, and I never thought there was there were going to be any, but. They did add Brian Bridges, who he was, what was his title? I can't remember his title with the Braves at the start, but he was their director of scouting from 2015 to 2018, so he ran their draft. Uh, they, they some really nice players in, in those drafts. And also, if you look at when, when their run of, of division titles started, that was 2018. Well, 2015 to 2018 drafts generally helped in a run of division titles from 2018 to 2023. So that, that's useful. Um, then he was, he's been a cross-checker with the Giants for the last what, what, five, four or five years, whatever it is. Um, and, and really, from what, I, what I've heard from people, really strong eye for pitching. Um, you know, just a generally good, good baseball guy, really good um, the, the, the conduit between – Stats and scouts, I guess, is is where he excels. So that's that's a nice piece to have as as the Royals continue to try to be a little more analytically minded. Um, and and I don't, I wouldn't anticipate this being the only move. I I I don't like I said I don't believe there's going to be a lot of dismissals necessarily, um, which may upset some people, and that's fine. But I, I do think they're going to continue to add to the front office. I, I don't know who necessarily, but I, I've, I've always been given the impression that they're going to continue to build this out and um, make as, as robust a group as they can. David Lesky into the crown joining us right here, uh, ESPN at Kansas City. Talking about some of the players right now, two, two guys that I've gone back and forth with, with you, with a whole bunch of people, Kyle Isabel and Drew Waters. You know, they've gotten some nice plate appearances towards the end of the year, and I'm still here sitting. I don't know which one is the long-term answer going forward for Kansas City. You know, they've played in very similar amount of games. Uh, the at-bats are very, very close. Uh, Drew Waters uh, obviously has a little bit more pop in in his bat. Defensively, I think Kyle Isabel is the way you go. Drew Waters takes a walk, but also strikes out at an alarming rate. Um, these two guys, do you still have any answer to what these guys are going forward? No, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I think that ultimately they, I, mean, I wrote about this oh, like a month ago maybe, when I was looking at guys who had cemented a, a, a case I mean, not even a case, but have said, hey, we're good enough to be on a, on a big league roster. And I'm not sure that either of them is more than a fourth outfielder, which you need a fourth outfielder. So let, let's not pretend like that's a bad thing to say, hey, this is a big league ball player who is just not a 162-game starter. The problem is then you start to look at, well, what's a better attribute for a fourth outfielder? Is it the ability to come into a game late and impact it defensively? Um, Waters can do that. Isbell is better. Is it the ability to come off the bench and hit a home run? Waters is better there. So it's like, you know, depending on, I, I think maybe the roster construction is what makes, what makes the decision there more than anything, because well, let's say the Royals just hypothetically, they go out and they, they get somebody to play center field. Who's not one of those two guys, which I don't think is going to happen, but just play along. 
and their corner outfielders are MJ Melendez and Nelson Velasquez. Well, you could really use a defense first fourth outfielder in that group. Sure. Yeah. And um you know, I, I, I think that 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 lends itself more toward Kyle Isbell. But let's go a different route and say, okay, the Royals have now traded MJ Melendez and Nelson Velasquez is gonna be their DH and they're going to go with Tyler Gentry, who's a pretty good defender in in a corner. Um I don't think this will happen, but just you know, playing playing along. Go out and sign a guy who can play defense and play left field, okay, and go out and sign a center fielder. Well, maybe you want him a little bit more power on the bench and, and versatility as a switch hitter. So maybe Drew Waters is the guy. Um, so I, I think the roster construction matters there. Ultimately, I think one of them is going to start and one of them is going to be a backup. Um, probably a very similar setup to this year where they play the same game a lot. Um, but I, you know, to me, I kind of feel like they're both. You know, fourth outfielders, maybe on a really bad team, a third outfielder, which the Royals probably will be next year. So I guess that's a starter. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I land with both of them. Yeah, it's hilarious. Just when you look at just the stat sheet, you know, very two different ways to get to where they're at. And you look at the like the OPS and the averages are very close. Slugging is slight edge. On-base percentage, a large edge. But, again, you look at the wins above replacement, they're very, very close. Yeah. RBIs, very, very close. Uh, the amount of hits, very, very close. Games played at bat. It, it just makes me laugh because it's really just a duplication of the same player, yet they are so, so different. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about Nelson Velasquez because, oh, my goodness, uh, uh, they have their mini-me of Jorge Soler. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself because, let's be real, Soler has been doing that for a long time, right? I I, I'm not trying to say that he is going to be the exact equivalent of him, but you, you look at what he's done. The raw power is there. The ability to take a walk is there. OPSing 936. Again, I know it's a relatively small sample size, but I just can't get uh, myself to calm down about Nelson Velasquez as far as a actual legit big league hitter in the outfield for the Kansas City Royals. What have you seen from him so far in his future for him? Just really powerful guy. I mean, it, it, the swing is so quiet. I remember his first game was um, against the Cardinals, and and I was actually driving through Springfield, Missouri, stopped to have dinner that, down there, um, that was the game the Royals were up. I think it was nine, nothing after two. And Velasquez hit his first home run. Um, and I was, I was in a restaurant and I looked up and I, I saw the swing and didn't follow the ball because it was such a sh- just very quiet swing. I thought, ah, oh, that's not going out. And then I got to, I think it went to the fountains. Um, and I was, I was impressed, obviously. And now he's hit what, 12 with the Royals, 11 at Coffin Stadium. Um, they can never say Kauffman Stadium is too big again because of, of, of Nelson Velasquez. I mean, it, it what he's done is very impressive, and it's interesting too because you say, "Oh, it's small sample, small sample, small sample," and it is. But every day it gets bigger, and it doesn't change. It seems to never change. I mean, yesterday in uh, gosh, was it the eighth, ninth, eighth? No, one of the ninth, didn't bat in the ninth, but um, one of the late innings, he hit this just absolute rocket double. That just took off over Stephen Kwan's head. Um, actually, I don't think Kwan was playing. Doesn't matter. Whoever the left fielder was took off over his head, and it's just it's just very real power. You're right. He does he, he does work a walk. Um, I haven't looked in the last few days. 
His strikeout rate, it doesn't feel like he's striking out as much as he was. Um, you know, there, there's some, there's some back to ball skills that, that maybe you didn't expect from him. Um, defensively, he's not great. I, I would, I would, I wouldn't put him on the level of Edward Laveris, but he's not great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. And it, in my opinion, I don't know how you go into 2024 without a spot for him. Yeah. Um, he looks like the, what, second best bat on the Kansas City Royals right now, and I don't think it's much of a question. Third, if you want to count yeah. Vinny, Vinny Pascantino. I would say MJ Melendez deserves, I think, a lot of praise. For his um, bounce back. Well, I mean, he's, hit, he's got an 845 OPS in the second half, which is a bigger sample than Velasquez. Sure. Um, and, you know, I... I, I I would I would put Melendez above Velasquez as far as the total offensive package, um, but I mean if they want to if they want to say okay next year we're going to go Bobby two, um, Vinny Pasquantino three and Velasquez four and Melendez five I'm not going to complain about Velasquez hitting above Melendez. I, I, I think that it's interesting <laughs> because you all of a sudden have actual options. Um, they, they just weren't there anymore, and, and I'm I'm sitting here. Maybe I'm opening a can of worms. I'm assuming Salvador Perez is not with the team next year, which I don't think is 100. percent I don't think it's 70. percent So, you know, let, let's. Are you saying? Are, are you saying it's a coin flip, though, in your mind? I think it's. Well, I guess. Um, my question is, where does Dayton Moore end up? And I know that seems like a really weird. Mm really weird thing to say, but the rumors have persisted that he's going to join Chris Getz in Chicago. Well, the White Sox already had interest in Saudi. Their manager is Pedro Grifol. <laughs> One of their coaches is Mike Tozar. Both those guys are very close to Salvador Perez. Dayton Moore is obviously very close to Salvador Perez. Chris Getz may, may or may not be. I don't, I don't actually know. Um, but I, you know, I think it stands to reason that he could be very close to Salvador Perez. If Dayton Moore is in Chicago, I think it's 70% that Salvador Perez is too. If Dayton Moore isn't, I think it's more of a coin flip. Um, but, I mean, I, from everything I've heard, they, I think I've said this on this show, I, I was told at the deadline, or around the deadline, that if, if, if the deadline was 10 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. Central Time, Salvi would have been gone. They just, they just ran out of time. And knowing that and seeing the way Freddie Fermin played this year, and I know he's hurt now too, um, I, I, and, and also seeing the way Bobby Witt's become kind of the face of the team, I also I think that they, I think they're ready to make that move. And if that move is out there, I think they'll make it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess coin flip, but it, it could be more depending on where Dayton Moore is. It does actually help, and I think it's a a minor but important still aspect to have. The Royals needed a face of the franchise. If Perez was gone, Bobby wasn't, in my opinion, ready. He didn't grasp it yet, but now Bobby Witt Jr. is the face of the franchise for Kansas City. I think there is something to that. And two, I do like the fact that the White Sox are, are, are saying, you know what, all these other teams around Major League Baseball are trying to get Guardians and Rays coaching staff and players. How about we get some four former Royals, because, yeah, that's the prime organization. If you can get guys 
from a team with four winning seasons in 30 years, you have to do it. <laughs> I guess, that's, just, that's just the way to go. Well, the White Sox have been perpetually, they've been winning off seasons with players, with signings, and now they're like, you know what? We're going to do the complete opposite. We're going we're gonna to try and, and get the expectations low. We're going to keep expectations low, and hopefully we can finally over-deliver. I think that's maybe the only way they're doing. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll work, yeah. Uh, with MJ Melendez, just because you brought him up, I, I'm still not sold on what he is in Kansas City, obviously. I don't know if you're sold on what MJ Melendez is, but he's making the decisions very difficult on Kansas City. Is he going to be here? Is he a trade candidate? Does he resign? I, I just don't know what MJ Melendez is besides this inconsistent yet tantalizing performer. You know, I'm not entirely sure he's inconsistent because – he was consistently bad to start the season, and then he's been honestly very consistent, wildly consistent since the, since he made some adjustments at the All Star break. Um, I mean, you you look at what he did up until he had a rough five or six games where he was over nineteen with four walks. By the way, I'm, his his plate appearances have been phenomenal lately. Um, but from the day after the break, the first game of the, after the break, until I think it was September 5th, he was hitless in back-to-back games once. That is, that's a month and a half of only one time being hitless in back-to-back games. That's very consistent. Then he had five or six in a row. Yeah. So let's, let's not push that aside. And then he's come back from those and, and rebounded really well, which I've noted a couple of times. I think that's, that's really interesting to me. But in my opinion... I've, I've said this for a while now, that I think Melendez's value to the 20, let's call it, let's, let's just, this is a blanket statement, 2025 Royals. But let's, let's pretend that that's the year they're going to compete. I don't know if that's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be next year. I don't think it'll be next year. Could be, with the right moves. Um, a lot of the right moves. It could be 2026, 27, whatever. Let's use 2025. I think his contribution to the 2025 Royals is in the trade return. Mm. I, I just do. And it goes back to the offseason. J.J. Piccolo and maybe some others, all off, not all offseason, but periodically you'd hear names of, oh, we're working on, we're, we're talking with these guys about extensions. And you heard Bobby Witt and Vinny Pasquantino and Brady Singer, which, whew, the bullet dodged. Um, and, and, you know, a few other guys. You never heard MJ Melendez's name. And then you look. Who's he represented by? Oh, it's Scott Boris. And it's not that Scott Boris clients exclusively don't sign extensions that buy out free agency years. It's that they often don't. They mostly don't. And so you start to do the math and you go, okay, well, the smart move is to trade this guy and not to just just let his, let his uh, team control run out and then get nothing for him other than maybe a draft pick. Um, and, you know, maybe that changes. Maybe it, maybe it is the Eric Cosmer, Mike Moustakis route because, hey, they're competing and so they need him and they don't care if they, you know, it's about winning. It's not about building for three years down the road. But I think that you might be looking at what he's doing since the, since the break and say, okay, this is the high watermark. This is the point where you can sell high and you can fill one of the 12 other holes they have or three of the 12 other holes they have with one player in it. I, I think that might be the way they go. Yeah. 
David Lesky joining us right here on the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. I want to talk about Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, he is one home run away and two stolen bases away from the illustrious 30-50 category right there. One, do you think he gets it? And two, what are the odds? We're talking about extensions here. Everyone wants Bobby Witt Jr. to be a royal for life. They want him to be the next George Brett. They want him to be, as, as we were talking about earlier, the face of the franchise, which means he needs to be here a long time. What are the odds of an extension? And, you know, what would something like that even look like? Well, I, 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 do, I think he gets a 30-50. I mean, they've got nine games left. He, he has been in a bit of a power rut. Um, yeah, that's my fancy baseball team. Come on, it's the semifinals, Bobby. I need you, Bobby Bombs. Well, they're going to Houston where left field wall is about 47 feet away. Crawford so, seats, baby. Come on. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think that I, – I think they got a shot there, or he's got a shot there. Um, so I think he gets there, no big deal. Um, if he doesn't, it's also no big deal. It just stinks because you're looking for it. But um, extension-wise, I don't know what the odds are. But I'll repeat something I've said, I don't know, 700 times. The Royals are going to put a new stadium up for a vote probably in early April. The season starts March 28th. There is a lot of discontent with this team, this ownership group, fair or not. Um, a lot of it's fair. A lot of it's not. I don't know a lot. Some of it's not. Um, there is a very strong marketing push that could be made when a lot of players sign long-term deals in spring training to say, hey, we we, we have a press conference uh, lined up to announce a 13-year deal for Bobby Richards or whatever it is, you know. Yes. I don't think the organ let – let me back this up. John Sherman, no matter what you read on on social media or in comment sections, is a very smart man. You don't get to where you are without being smart. Um, I guess it's possible. Unlikely. He knows. He he knows that he has to do something to sway, I don't know how many votes. They'll have a better idea. But if it's 5,000 votes, 10,000 votes, 2,000 votes, whatever, signing Bobby Witt Jr. to be in Kansas City into his 30s, I think would sway those votes. I just I do I, I think it's I think that's the sort of thing that you say okay not only does he want our money but he's committing his money yeah and and it's not just him it's an ownership group you, you get the idea and the Royals know that like again this is not a dumb group of people and, and so yeah I think that they're going to try it I think they're going to try to get something done I I, I think that. What, you know, the, the big push for the new stadium is this will help us be more competitive in the future. That's what they keep saying. You can argue it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not either. But the point is, if you say, here's the deal, oh, and by the way, in the press conference, by the way, um, it gets up to $42 million a year or whatever it is, starting in 2028, which would be the first year of our new ballpark, because we're that convinced that the revenues will allow us to do that. It's a pretty good sales pitch. It's a pretty good pitch to people who are either a no vote or on the fence. Um, hey, look, I'm telling you that it will help us to pay players, and I'm showing you 
that I'm willing to pay a player before you even say yes. That's a pitch. That is a huge pitch right there. So I don't know if it'll get done. I know it will be approached. Um, as for value, I've, I've sat down and looked at this. I don't know. Um, I think there are two contracts they can offer. One is six years and one is 13 or 14 years. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bobby Witt Jr. signs a 10-year deal. I just don't. Because I don't think he wants to get to free agency at, what would that be, 23, age 23 season this year. He would be reaching free agency out of his age 34 season on a 10-year deal. That's not to say he can't get another big contract. He could, he could get, you know, as based on this offseason, he can get eight years in that deal. But that'll probably change again. Um, but I think that he either needs to sign through his age 29 season or through his age 36, 37 season. Yeah. I, I think those are the two options. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I think if it's six years, you're looking at, well, off the top of my head, let, let, let's use round numbers, a million for next year, five million in the first year of arbitration. Let's just do, do five, 11, six, 17 just for really round numbers. Well, okay, so your, your four years are uh, $34 million and two free agent years at $35 million apiece. That's six years, $114 million, $117 million. Okay, there's your six-year deal. Well, then you add eight years to that at $38 million apiece, and now you're looking at 13 years and... Mm, A lot of money. $150 million. I mean, you know... <laughs> Similar to the Tatis deal, but but a year, a year less, um, or fourteen years and three hundred fifty million, or I guess it's the same. You get the Tatis deal with an extra ten million or so. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of where you're looking. That I, I I'll probably get a lot more into it in the off season, but that's what you're looking at. I think you should be the campaign manager for uh, Mr. Sherman. I think that's what I found. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I I do want to say you wrote a good article on, again, insidethecrown.substack.com. And, again, for folks listening, if you're not subscribed, you are doing Royals fandom wrong. I will say it. You know, I'll, I'll be brave. I'll say you're doing Royals fandom wrong if you don't follow Leski. I'll agree. Yeah. Uh, but, but you had one with, with – let's start with James MacArthur first. James MacArthur, you, you wrote an article yesterday about him, but he obviously had that horrible start to his Major League Baseball career here in Kansas City, and now he's looking quietly pretty darn good. What have you seen from MacArthur here? MacArthur strikes. He gets swings and misses. Um, he has two pitches he can get, he can get with with his curveball and his slider. Um gets ground balls. I mean, there's a lot to like about him. Ultimately, he throws strikes. Like, the, the, Royals, the Royals' walk rate has gotten considerably better in the second half. Um, I wrote about that a couple weeks ago or last week, maybe. So, a lot of guys are throwing strikes, and I, and I think that there's some credit that deserves, that, that's deserved from, to Brian Tweeney, to Zach Bogue, to Mitch Detter, to you know, the pitching development and the minors. I think that there have been a lot of obvious improvements. Um, but, they still have some problems throwing strikes. And MacArthur stro- throws strikes. I don't, the stuff isn't overwhelming because he's only 93 to 95 with his fastball, um, which I say only. We, we dream we could be there <laughs> as, as mere, mere mortals. But, yeah. um, exactly. But, I mean, it's, it's not overwhelming fastball, but the slider's really good, and the Royals gave that to him when he came over. That's a new pitch. Um, the curve was always really good for him. I think the slider has helped to, 
emphasize the curve a little bit. So, I mean, it just it seems like a, a, a solid bullpen arm. I I would hesitate to say, oh, make him the closer next year. There's only so much you can learn from September. Like that, that's it's different than it used to be because it's not a 40 man roster anymore. But you know, teams playing out the string. The Royals, to their credit, are not doing that clearly. But I mean. I gotta say, the Guardians didn't look what you'd call good this week. They played the White Sox. The White Sox did not look good. Um, there, there are some teams who have packed it in and have already have already started their offseason while they're still playing baseball. So there are some issues with with evaluating September still. Um, but I think he's definitely shown that he deserves probably not to go into spring training even competing for a job. Probably just having a job. Mm. Um, I mean, in in the sense that a guy like him is always competing, I guess. But yeah, he he's shown enough for me that I'll write him in pen in the twenty twenty four bullpen. Uh, and another guy you wrote about and we're talking about was Alec Marsh and using a guy as an opener for Alec. One, what are your thoughts on the Royals using an opener as it's the season's kind of gone on more? And then two, just Alec Marsh in general here. Did they did the Royals find something? Yeah, I mean, the opener itself, look, you don't want to use an opener. No, Nobody wants to go into a season and say, okay, two out of five days we're throwing a reliever in inning one and then figuring it out from there. No, nobody wants that. Look, the Rays were the pioneers of the opener, and what did they do this winter? They went out and they signed Zach Eflin. I mean, they, they gave three years and $40 million to a starter. They have worked to develop starting pitchers. They – they used the opener because they had to. The Royals are using the opener because they have to. That said, it can work. And I, and I also don't know, I don't think anybody goes into a season saying, I'm going to use it twice every five days. I wonder a little bit if the Royals might say, I don't care if I use it once every five days. Um, because I don't think there's a huge issue with that. It's, you got to get 27 outs, right? It doesn't matter how you do it, ultimately, as long as it's sustainable for 162. And I and I think once every turn is sustainable. Um, and it just, it, it seems to work for Alec Marsh. I don't know why. Um, why do some guys have first inning problems? I don't know. But I, I feel like Alec Marsh, and maybe, maybe it's just a, a wake-up call to change his routine before a start. But I, I think maybe he doesn't have as much time. Um, mm. You know, I mean, you can, like, what was it? What day did he pitch? Was it Tuesday? Tuesday night he came in. Yeah, Tuesday night he came in as the as as the bulk guy after Stephen Cruz pitched. I think the plan was for him to come in the third inning, but Cruz loaded the bases and Marsh had started warming because he needs longer because he's a starter um, and he was ready to go. Petrero went to him with two outs and the bases loaded in the in the bottom, or in the top of the second. So he came in a little early. Um, probably didn't have quite as much time to get ready. And he didn't pitch as well. Um, he, he had to hit a couple of struggles in the oh fifth and sixth, maybe gave up a couple of runs. But generally, I wonder a little bit if maybe he's not getting as much time to stew on the game plan and just goes out there and pitches. Uh, um, as a golfer, trust me, I completely get that. The less you yeah. think, the better you play. Sometimes, yeah, and it's not always. Um, but yeah, I think that there's. I think there's something to that. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there's some changes he can make in his, in his prep work. Um, 
to become as, as good of a starter as he has been as an opener, but he's he's looked really good as an opener. And, you know, again, if, if that's how you need to get 27 outs in that day, then so be it. And you look at it and you go, well, that's, that's not sustainable. But is it sustainable for Alec Marsh to go five innings and then have Steven Cruz come in in the sixth every fifth day? I, no. I mean, yes, no, I don't know. But it, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's ultimately the same innings pitched. And I, I, I don't know. I think it can work. Uh, Lester, before I let you get out of here, let's do a couple of quick hitters here, uh, some quick ones here. Is Michael Garcia still the third baseman starting opening day next year? Uh, 65% yes. Where is Nick Prado in two years? Um, I'm trying to think of which team's AAA roster. Dodgers AAA. <laughs> uh, Brady Singer is the, I don't know, man. Brady Singer's a starter next year on the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I think he is. I don't, I mean, here's the thing about Brady Singer. I know you said short and I'm going to ruin your day. No, expand um, on it, dude. I don't care. The only day, uh, the only day you're ruining is Kyle's back there behind the glass. You're completely fine. Oh, forget that. I don't have to worry about Kyle. Um, yeah, I, I, Brady Singer at 90 to 91 is not a big league pitcher. Um, if he's healthy, if he was healthy, like they kept insisting he was, I'd say absolutely not. He is toast. But I'm at least somewhat encouraged by there being an injury. Because at least that says, okay, his back hurts. I, I totally buy that dipping velocity. Um, I don't fully buy all of it because he was 93.8 miles per hour last year. And even before these, these last five starts, four or five, whatever it was, he was like 92.5. So there was already a pretty big dip. Um, that concerns me. But I do think as long as he can get healthy, I think he'll be a uh, – Decent enough starter in 2024 that he'll still be in the rotation. Cole Reagans faces off against Fran Valdez in a battle of big lefties as the Royals face the Astros in Houston tomorrow. Uh, is this a matchup that you're really looking forward to see if Cole Reagans can hang with the quality start master, Fran Valdez? Yeah, I mean, look, you always want to see the Cy Young Award winner um, face the Astros. So <laughs> I think that that's, that's uh, it's a good one. And, and I, I like Cole Reagans started against the Astros last Saturday. Um, this is, I think, I have to go back and look. I think this might be the first time he's faced a team twice with the Royals. Mm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's, maybe there's something, but either way, it's definitely the first time he's faced a team twice in a week. Um, and the Astros have seen a lot of him because he was with the Rangers. So I'm really interested to see how he handles the start. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. All right, last one, because I don't know if we're going to have you on before the playoffs start. Just want to make sure that we get your prediction in here. Of the wild card potential teams, you got Tampa Bay, Toronto, Texas, and Seattle. Tampa Bay's already locked up one spot, so that leaves Toronto, Rangers, and Mariners for those final two spots. Who makes it? Uh, Toronto and Seattle. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. All right. In the NL, you have the Phillies, Arizona, Chicago, Miami, and Cincinnati. Five teams fighting for three spots. Phillies look like they're in for sure. Uh, yeah. What do you see happening there? Which three teams make it? Phillies, yeah. Phillies are in. Um, 
I think the Diamondbacks are in. By the way, the Padres have put themselves at least in a possibility. Um, they're not going to make it. Who's that third team? Boy, that's a great question. I'm going to say the Marlins. Um, I have almost zero confidence in <laughs> Well, I have 100% confidence in you, David Lesky from Inside the Crown. Make sure you go to insidethecrown.substack.com and subscribe. Lesky, it has been way too long. Always a pleasure. It has. And it has and it is. And um, I'm glad we got to reconnect, Sterling. I've missed you. I've missed you. I've missed you, too. Uh, Let's take a quick break. Come back. ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN at Kansas City. Always a great time talking with David Lesky. A couple of NFL news before we get out of here. Panthers are not expecting Bryce Young to play against Seattle. Not good for the first overall draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Bryce Young, again, not expected to play against Seattle. Uh, Cowboys cornerback Trayvon Diggs has a torn ACL Horrible blow for a defense that was looking absolutely electric. I still think the Cowboys have one of the best defenses in the NFL without him, but that is still a massive loss for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Going to the AFC West, Devontae Adams, who was taken off the field and evaluated for concussion in this past weekend's game, took his own shot at Taylor Rapp. Uh, Taylor Rapp was the man that hit him, and Devontae Adams said, was it unnecessary? Completely, obviously. But certain players play a certain way. Some people out of control, they fly around, they don't have really much of a true purpose out there. I mean, playing a half field on one side, you run over and hit somebody in the head on the other side of the field. That's the kind of stuff that contributes to you not being out on the field. That's why you're in when uh, blowing us out by 25 at the end of the game. Maybe if that man learns how to play the game the right way, he'll see the field. Until then, he'll have to go and live off of plays like that. Devontae Adams not holding back, huh? Basically call, calling that dude a bum. That's what I took from that. Devontae Adams giving it to Taylor Rapp. Uh, I would be upset, too, if he got hit in the dome out of nowhere. Feel bad for Devontae. Uh, he should be good to go. Uh, I don't think it ended up being a concussion, but it was still a scary situation. You never like to see helmet-to-helmet hits. Uh, Kyle, this is fun, man. It's always a good time. Could be a good time on Sunday with the Chiefs. Wax. I'm talking wax. The Chicago Bears. We'll talk a lot more Chiefs tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Stay safe. Have fun. Come on now, y'all. <laughs>